0: what is up everybody welcome in to episode number 49 of the fantasy scouts podcast i am your host chad workman joined by my fellow scout matt nine today on the show lots and lots and lots of free agency news to get to um lots and lots of money being thrown around and lots and lots of fantasy implications so we will get to all of that, the latest on free agency as of this recording, and then we're going to do some running back buys and sells. If you don't know already, Matt recently wrote an article about running back buys. I got a few myself, so we're going to run through that, but I'm excited to talk about this free agency stuff, Matt. Let's, uh, let's get into it. Alright, um, as always, before we jump in, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasyscouts, ffballallday.com, check out our content there, subscribe at the Patreon, only $7 a month, tons and tons of content coming your way throughout the offseason and into the NFL draft and training camp and eventually the season, but right now, Matt, a lot of free agent news. I mean, the NFL just doesn't miss, man. It's like the MLB, you know, hammers out a new deal and they end the lockout. And then like, you know, an hour later or whatever, it's like Tom Brady's returning. Nobody can take the spotlight from the NFL. And it just feels like the entire off season has just been NFL drama, storylines and news. It's just been wild. So um, it's been a lot of fun so far. Free agency is always fun. Um, quarterback dominoes started to fall, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay, Russell Wilson to Denver. The big um, quarterback acquisition of the free agency period so far has been Mitchell Trubisky going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, not a huge contract. It really, what was it? It was a two year deal worth like,
1: like 14 and a half. But incentives up in- to 27.
0: That's right. Um, not as much guaranteed as I expect. It tells me either his market had cooled or that was definitely his preferred spot to go in and, and play there with those weapons. Maybe a little bit of both, but regardless, um, gets kind of that bridge money where they can definitely pivot off of him if they draft somebody or or something else comes along. But he could also play himself into a larger long term deal. Again, there's just so many weapons there in Pittsburgh. I know one of your favorites, Chase Claypool. We all like Deontay Johnson, um, a young Patty Fryermouth. What do you make of Mitchell Trubisky in this Steelers offense? What are you expecting in terms of fantasy production from these pass catchers and and you know, even Najee and just the offense as a whole and Mitch. Mitchell, I mean sure. Trubisky's put up some de- I mean he's been an under um I don't know under the radar kind of sneaky good fantasy quarterback
1: sure so last summer I told everybody to go out and buy Trubisky now is your perfect time to flip him if you don't believe in him
0: or you can wait and see what can happens I, I actually I'm sorry to uh interrupt you here but I I did the same thing I've been on Trubisky for a long time yeah. I told people to go get him you and I both did and I rostered him in most I think the only one I don't have him in is our Scouts League, which I think you may have him in. But um I do I do roster him and I actually flipped him yesterday. So I want to just pull this up real quick. Sorry to Are you good? I, I i had him in I bought him for a fourth in two different
1: leagues last year. And in one league I flipped him for two twos and in another league I flipped him for two threes and a four. So and both of those were before he signed. Because that was just, you know, the league expectation that he was going to get a starting job. So it's one of those things like I turned a fourth round pick into multiple picks in the second and in the third. So that that's a win in my book. And I think it's one of the most underrated parts of fantasy and being a savvy player is just because you trade for a player who's then on your roster, they don't ever have to see your lineup for them to be beneficial to you.
0: No, exactly. I did the same thing. And this one was actually a startup last year and we, uh, we did an auction and, I went out and got Trubisky and Mariota. They were two of my priorities. Everybody was spending up on the so expensive quarterbacks. And I went a little cheaper. I got Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr. You know, I talked them up. Um, and then I just grabbed guys like Trubisky and, and Mariota. So anyways, I traded Trubisky, David and Joku, the 206 this year, and a 2024 third-round pick for Mike Gesicki, 107 this year, and a 2024 first-round pick. I
1: absolutely love that.
0: Amazing, right? So- I
1: absolutely love that.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the news was, you know, news had just dropped a little bit of excitement around uh, uh, Trubisky and a QB and 80 team. It's, it's that, and that's a, that's a tight end premium league. You know, I love Njoku, but getting that upgraded to, to Gasicki plus a couple firsts on top of, you know, that's what I, wild. what I gave is, yeah.
1: I'm going to assume the other team was a little needy at QB.
0: Yes. And also to be fair, he, he, he's fairly new to die. Dy- he's he hasn't been playing dynasty as long as okay. some I of understand. us have to be, to be quite transparent <laughs> with you. So
1: that's fair. But yeah. So as we said, Trubisky was a good buy. If you, if you believe hold, if you don't go ahead and flip them. I mean, there's definitely a market out there to be had. I think you messaged me. I said, I think a, a late second, is the beginning of the conversation. I think that that's where his value is. I don't know if I'd flip him for that pick alone, but that's where the conversation should start. Mm-hmm. As for fantasy purposes, though, this definitely does feel like a bridge QB. I am still of the full belief that the that the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers are going to draft a rookie quarterback in the first round this year to sit behind Mitchell Trubisky. It's very obvious that it, as early as Trubisky signed or – committed to in this free agency period that Mason Rudolph is probably not the guy long-term and neither is Dwayne Haskins. So it feels like it's Mitchell Trubisky and somebody else at some point. I think Trubisky's ceiling is, I mean, his ceiling is technically anything, but we're being realistic here. I feel like it's probably, probably a mid range QB two, that QB 15, 16. Uh, And as for his patch catchers, I know, We had this conversation, you know, Sam and I have, uh, we have, I guess bicker is the right word. We haven't really argued. It's just kind of been a little back and forth. I mean, we were both in on Deontay and Claypool at the same time, two summers ago. They're both two of our favorite guys. So there's no animosity towards one player over the other, but he, I'm not as convinced as he is that Deontay remains the number one target in this offense, because I feel like a lot of what Deontay uh, was running last year was a way for the Pittsburgh Steelers to build on their run game. That was practically non-existent. A lot of the short stuff, a lot of the screens, a lot of the slants. And unfortunately, when you have someone like big Ben, who's so attached to Deontay, what was that? I think he was, you had, this as a trivia question. The one of two guys to see 160 plus targets last year. I don't, even if it wasn't Trubisky, I don't care who comes in at quarterback. If it was Dwayne Haskins, Mason Rudolph, or some my next-door neighbor's mother. like Nobody was going to look at Deontay Johnson the way Big Ben did. I feel like that the 160 targets is an outlier because now they have someone who can push the ball down the field. Now, this is good for Deontay because even though his targets come down, his route tree expands, so therefore the receiving yards and the receiving touchdowns go up. Now, Claypool, he's more of a downfield threat guy than he is uh, a wide receiver that plays closer to the line of scrimmage. So Claypool can now run more routes down the field and his targets should go up because the Steelers can utilize his skill set better than what they could uh, with big Ben because big Ben basically shrunk the playbook because of his limitations. So Trubisky can now open that up for everyone. So I think everyone benefits here. And I think I feel like the short game, I feel like Najee is still very valuable. I feel like he's going to get a lot of dump offs that maybe we saw Deontay get last year. Because like I said, I think the wide receivers are going to be able to run more intermediate routes and deeper routes than what we're used to seeing. So I don't think Deontay is the, is the bonafide dynasty wide receiver, 160 targets, you know, 120 reception guy that we were all thinking he might be. But I think both him and Claypool are probably now in that mid-range wide receiver two type area because I think they're both going to benefit here because – Even with Big Ben, it was that we were talking about how Claypool could have been another top 24 wide receiver last year. But he saw, I think it was six or seven less touchdowns than he did his rookie year. But other than that, his statistical output was roughly the same. So if we can get, you know, if if he's doing that with Big Ben, I think we can upgrade. I think we see a thousand yards. I don't know if we'll see 11 touchdowns, but we'll probably see closer to eight than the three or four he had last year. So, there's no reason that either one of these guys shouldn't finish as a top 24 guy, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. I do disagree a little bit with Trubisky's upside. I think it's a little higher than QB15. Um, QB15 was his greatest, his highest finish in 2018 when he was a Pro Bowler, but he was QB11 in per game average that season and rushed for nearly 500 yards. And that was with Matt Nagy, the Chicago Bears. I mean, he's going to have a lot more, you know, stability in terms of the franchise and, and the weapons around him. I'm not saying, you know, obviously I just traded him away for that haul. So, uh, you know, if the, if the trade's right, it, by all means, flip him. But I I don't necessarily know that he is going to be the long-term answer there. So, you know, if you're a contender and you need a quarterback and you feel like, hey, I can plug him in as my QB2. I think he's a QB2 with a lot of upside. I could see a world where he is average at best in terms of NFL, but sneaks into that low-end QB1 window, range, whatever, just because he has more mobility than people realize. He has the best weapons he's ever had. And, and you know, sitting behind Josh Allen for a year, I mean uh, – Josh Allen's made himself into an elite quarterback, not that, you know, Trubisky can steal it like the Monstars, but, you know, that's that's some valuable experience in and of itself. So um, I think there is, is, is some upside there. Um, I do agree with you. I think it's good for uh, Claypool, Deontay. I mean, you're right. I don't see Deontay getting those 160 targets anymore. Maybe they're a little bit more efficient though. Um, Claypool, I think it benefits a lot, even if, even if, uh, Trubisky isn't a high level, you know, pocket passer out there, just the, 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 Limitations, like you said, with Ben Roethlisberger, automatically make Claypool I think more appealing and and help them unlock his skill set. And then you also factor in I mean I know Juju has missed a lot of games, but he's gone now. James Washington is going to be gone. They'll probably add a receiver, but I mean it's going to be the Deontay and Claypool show along with Najee in the backfield. Um, I'm interested to see what. You know, Pat Fryermuth, like, I don't really know if this changes anything for him. If anything, it's, it. it I mean, Ben was so limited that he looked to that underneath, um, you know, valve a lot. So that might hurt Fryermuth, but at the same time, like, he proved himself last year, and I think they're going to feature him a little more, especially with Juju and, you know, some of those other weapons gone. What do you think about Fryermuth?
1: I mean, I like them. The Steelers offense has always been friendly to the tight end. If we uh, think, back, think back to the Eric Ebron days and uh, Vance McDonald, who was the other guy?
0: There was another guy that was there. I need to look this up. I was I was going to mention McDonald. Uh, you threw that out there, but I thought that was it. There was a really good Steelers tight end for
1: a handful of years. Keith Miller, that was Yeah, maybe it was him. I think it was him. But that yeah, was Yeah. That was a while ago. But yeah, that you're right though. I mean, they have a track record. So I, I it's honestly it's three primary pass catchers in the offense. I'm not really concerned about anybody else coming in and stealing targets away from any of these guys. You're gonna have Deontay who's gonna run short and intermediate with a little bit of deep. You're gonna have Claypool who's gonna run a lot of intermediate to deep, and you're gonna have Frymuth who just owns the middle of the field and then Najee coming out of the backfield like Those are the four guys that are going to be the primary focal points of the pass game, and then obviously Najee in the run game, and then maybe Claypool sneaks in for a couple touchdowns like he did two years ago. So I like it for Fryermuth. I I see no target competition really for him outside of his position. So I I think he's probably – what did he finish last year? I definitely think he's inside the top nine
0: this year. Got to be. Yeah, I think he's got to be too. He was – and he's, I mean, he still it, has that red zone. He I mean, led rookie tight ends and touchdowns last year, didn't he? Yeah, and he Six had, or seven of them,
1: which is which is really big for a rookie tight end.
0: Yeah. He finished 12 in standard scoring, 13 in PPR, so. Yeah, I, I, I think this Steelers offense has a chance to be sneaky good. And even, I'm just looking at, you know, the, Trubisky's seasons with Chicago, um there was some tight end success there. Nothing crazy, but I mean Trey Burton, remember when we thought he was good, or at least a lot of people did. I mean, he had a five sixty nine and six season there with Trubisky. So um yeah, I think uh I think I like it for Fryermouth. Nothing really changes for Najee. Um kind of Same old, maybe the threat of if they can get Claypool going downfield and and some of that stuff, it helps Najee a little. But I think, you know, no real big change there. How about Jacksonville? They have just been spending money like it's just burning a hole in their pockets. And it's, I think... (laughs) I don't know. what do you. They've added Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, paid each of them a significant amount of money amongst other free agent additions, but those are the big uh, offensive names that they've signed. Personally, I think Christian Kirk is a decent fit, not at that price tag. Um, I don't know what they were thinking with Zay Jones. I think they, he's just a guy. And I actually like the addition of Evan Ingram, even though I'm a Dan Arnold guy. I think they can utilize both of them. I mean, Evan Ingram played in the slot slash out wide a ton, the past few years, and I think they can utilize him as a receiver as much as a tight end. And obviously Doug Peterson utilized the two tight ends in um, Philadelphia. So I like that versatility that that brings them. The only tough thing is when you run those two tight end sets, a lot of times it, it takes away the slot receiver. So I'm curious to know if they plan on utilizing Christian Kirk simply as a slot receiver and paid him that way, or if they're going to bump him to play out wide in like two tight end sets or, or just two wide receiver sets. I, I don't know. What do you think? I thought urban Meyer got fired. Did I miss
1: something? I mean, this honestly, <laughs> feels question. this honestly feels like Jacksonville. I thought, I thought there was going to be some sort of change. I don't know why they're going out and, and doing all this
0: nonsense. It's true, Balky, man. That's why, I mean, when your uh, franchise, like, uh, Byron Leftwich is, you know, Jags fans love him, and it would have been such a great story. That's why he wouldn't go there unless you let go of Balky. Like, and I don't blame him or anybody else who asked about Balky in that interview, which was supposedly a ton of head coaches asked about that. So, so I will say
1: here for fantasy purposes, I think the only two guys I want are Evan Ingram and Christian Kirk outside of obviously Trevor Lawrence and and the stable of running backs that they're going to have. This is going to be a running. We get, we got to look back to the last time Doug Peterson was a head coach and no, that was in Philly. This is going to be a running back by committee. I know Sam is, has been on this rampage talking about how the sixth rounder, James Robinson, who is actually an undrafted free agent, but I haven't corrected him on that, uh, is, is coming back from injury. And he doesn't have ties to the staff, but, you know, neither does Travis Etienne. And he's also coming back from injury that has a success rate of zero for offensive players. So I think James Robinson and Travis Etienne are in the same boat. We can think back to Ryan Matthews uh, and LeGarrette Blunt, J.J. and LeGarrette Blunt. It's kind of a one-two punch. I think both Etienne and J. Rob are going to be used. Obviously, they're going to add somebody else. You can't go into the NFL season with two running backs, whether they're healthy or not. That doesn't make any sense. So I don't foresee this uphill battle that he continues to talk about in regards to James Robinson, I mean, he's a proven player. Uh, draft capital, you even mentioned this. Draft capital gets thrown out the window. James Robinson is a very good NFL football player, and he has two seasons track record that proves it. He's a, he's efficient. Uh, he runs between the tackles. He's got great vision, great contact balance. Etienne's a much better pass catcher. So in this particular offense, Etienne might be the more preferred guy, but James Robinson's going to see a lot of those goal line touches like we saw LeGarrette Blunt do in philadelphia uh, as for christian kirk and evan ingram i'm going to read this tweet from at the honest nfl he used to work in the eagles front office uh he hasn't identified himself he goes by just honest nfl on twitter and so he knows a lot about the doug peterson offense and what this will look like so i'm gonna read this to you in case anybody wasn't aware of how crucial the zebra you and Y are to the foundation of peterson's offense being explosive kirk's and ingram's deals should say enough. Those positions account for the majority of the targets and help control the safeties to open everything else up. So the zebra here is going to be Christian Kirk, and the Y is going to be Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram takes Zach Ertz's role, and Christian Kirk is going to take your Nelson Aguilar role. So those are the two guys that I want in this passing offense. I think Evan Ingram has a legitimate chance to supersede 120, 130 targets. Unfortunately, he's not that good, so I'm not sure how productive those targets are going to be. And then I do think Christian Kirk... (laughs) he has a real shot. He's been paid to be there one. And like I said, those only two guys, Trevor Lawrence, and thank God, uh, LaVisca Chenault is probably going to get traded because I am tired of seeing him fail miserably in that, in that
0: dreadful Jacksonville, uh, franchise. Yeah. I think at this point, I, if I'm him, I'm probably asking for a trade, but you made some good points with Kirk and Ingram and how they'll be utilized. And I I do get the signing. I think it makes a lot of sense, especially with, I mean, Christian Kirk's just 25 years old, um, you know, coming off his best season with 982 yards and five touchdowns. He's also, he's very different than Visca, right? Visca, I've been a little disappointed in his playing speed. Christian Kirk is a burner and he can he's a vertical slot player. A lot of slot guys play closer to the line of scrimmage, um low a dots, that kind of stuff, manufactured touches. Christian Kirk is a vertical slot guy. Wins, you know, with his speed up the seam, things of that nature. I think Lawrence is going to like him and I think he's going to have a decent bit of fantasy value. I think the sticker shock on his new contract might kind of change people's perspective or kind of cloud his fantasy you know possibilities in this offense i mean if if lawrence takes this next step and kirk is kind of the main guy in that like he could have a lot of fantasy value so i'm definitely interested in going out and getting kirk especially now where i feel like the narrative is just a little negative on him like because everybody's like oh he's not worth that and stuff but i do think it's interesting because this team is clearly Building their passing attack around that position, right? Or those two, like you, like you mentioned, but paying Kirk that much, we don't we see slot guys get paid, but I mean, this is the first time where we've seen an offense where it's like, hey, like he's our guy. And I'll be interested to see if they draft somebody to replace, like, you know, DJ Shark or somebody on the outside to go with. They got them. to. They have I, to, right? I hundred percent believe they draft somebody. So I think that's part of their thinking too, is like they could have, if if they could have gotten Kirk a bit cheaper and afforded Shark, they may have made that pairing. But I think their thinking was like, well, we'll spend a little more on Kirk, make sure we get him, and then we'll draft somebody and, you know, he'll be on a cheaper contract for the next few years to play outside. So I think that that'll be interesting. But um, I also think Evan Ingram, I mean, he, he's been injured a lot, but he's been really good on a per game basis over the years so you know he's another guy I'm not gonna like pay a ton to go get him but if you can get him cheap enough because he's another guy the perception around him is just that he's not a valuable player but he's been uh he's been pretty good on a per game basis really when he's out there and that's I think the Giants have struggled to utilize him so um yeah that's kind of where I'm at on this Jacksonville team All right, we had some uh, wide receivers on the move. Just mentioned DJ Shark leaving Jacksonville. I think they had some interest in retaining him, but once they paid Kirk and all these other guys, that kind of went out the window. So DJ Shark heads to the Lions, probably the most notable wide receiver on the move. A few others, um, Russell Gage, been a little underrated maybe. He goes to Tampa, might have some value as they're, wide receiver three there um especially if godwin is you know a little slow to get up to speed coming off the injury and then uh cedric wilson to miami what is your initial reaction to these deals matt especially being somebody who's been fairly high on on dj shark i i acquired a bit of him while he was injured actually but he should um see no shortage of targets but at the same time hawkinson swift amon ross st brown they brought back Josh Reynolds or whatever, but um, you know, those three Hawk, Swift and and ARSB are, are not going away. So I guess what do you make of of Shark and really just the offense as a whole? Are we still are we still interested in Amon Ross St. Brown after this move?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we are. I think a good way to look at this would be compare it to the Steelers offense. Shark and Claypool, St. Brown, Deontay, Fryermuth, Hawk, Najee, and Swift. So I I don't think DJ Shark is going to come out and ball and be this top five dynasty wide receiver or something like that. He was a, a dynasty wide receiver one uh, for the majority of 2019 up until the last couple of weeks when he got hurt, which pushed him back into mid-range wide receiver two territory on a points-per-game basis because he missed a couple of games, uh, as well as a, his fantasy finish. But I don't think people appreciate I think people a little bit like – Deshaun Watson, I think people have forgotten how good DJ Shark is. And I've always compared DJ Shark is the wide receiver of, uh, is the Rashad Penny version of wide receivers. Immense talent when on the field. And when he's given an opportunity, he absolutely produces so many big games from DJ Shark. Just a monster on the field. But the issue is he can't stay on the field that often. So I think that's where we are with him. I think I think he's a back-end wide receiver two, top-end wide receiver three. I think he finishes between the wide receiver 24, wide receiver 30 range. And I like this move because DJ Shark's role is not going to interfere with Amon Ross St. Brown. They play two completely very different roles. And DJ Shark is going to open up a lot for Amon Ross underneath, a lot more than what he was seeing last year. And Hawkinson over the middle is going to draw the safety down. DJ Shark in his sixth force uh frame with a sub four four speed is gonna be able to push downfield. I think this is a great, great fit for DJ Shark. So I'm actually really excited about this.
0: Yeah, I really like how all those fe- those pieces fit together, like you mentioned with you know, Shark on the outside, Amonra, Hawkinson, and then you guys swift out of the backfield catching passes too. I think my only question mark is just the Goff, I mean he was number thirty-five in air yards per attempt last year. He's just not a guy that's very good down the field. Then again, he was, he had a pretty high catchable pass rate. And especially with a clean pocket, his pass percentage is way up. So, I mean, he's capable and obviously Chark has played with some less than capable quarterbacks in Jacksonville, but, um, I would have liked to have seen him with a quarterback. That's a little better throwing the ball downfield, but I'm not like overly worried about that. Are you,
1: well, we can't, count out the lions to take a quarterback. So I think that's that's still on the table. Uh, but I mean, Shark only signed a one year contract and I think people are freaking out, oh, it's a one year deal. They they must not believe in him or they must not like him. Like I don't know the I wish somebody would not like me and pay me twelve million dollars. Like I don't right. know. I don't understand I don't understand that that particular train of thought. But as far as a one-year deal goes, this is a guy coming off a fractured ankle who, according to Ian, Ian rapped this morning on his report when this news first broke because I was up early watching watching TV and I was uh, playing around on, on some of my Excel sheets. He said that the Lions intend to feature him in the offense. Like, he's going to see his share of targets. Again, this is not going to interrupt what St. Brown has going on. Like, St. Brown's going to get his targets, too. I, I saw a lot, all over Twitter today how people were like, oh, Guess we got to fade St. Brown because DJ Shark came to town or something like that. Like they're not going to interfere with either with each other at all. So don't don't think that's what I'm saying. They're both going to get theirs, but DJ Shark is twelve million dollars for one year is a lot. I mean that that's why that's that's starting wide receiver money. And like I said, he's coming off a very injury plagued past two years. So I think he might have opted to do a one-year deal as opposed to a long-term deal, knows that the cap is going up next year and says, I got 17 games to show the league what I'm worth. And he can cash in big next offseason.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And if, I mean, if it works out well in Detroit, he probably gets a lucrative long-term deal there. If it doesn't, he hits the market again. And if he shows enough, yeah, he can maybe cash in and, and go to an offense that suits him. Even better.
1: And another thing, another aspect of how this came together is that he had a lot of teams after him. And I think if, you know, next month had he signed a contract, then it would have been like, oh, wow, a lot of the NFL is not really interested in him. You know, very cool market, just kind of settled and took what he could. He signed 48 hours into tampering period. Free agency hasn't even technically started yet. Like he had a big market and he went where he wanted to go. So I think that also tells us a lot about how the NFL in general feels about him because the Raiders, the Patriots, and the Eagles, and the Chiefs were all after him as well, and he opted for the Lions. So there's some something there that they have told him, promised him, or he's going out to get the most money he can this year and, like I said, to showcase himself for a bigger contract next year.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. The other thing I want to mention is I know that unrealized air yards are are tricky because some of them are just – prairie yards um but in his 2020 and 2019 seasons he had around 750 both years unrealized air yards and that was i mean he had over a thousand yards in 2019 and 700 in 2020 i mean you just tack on some of those unrealized air yards with bad quarterback play and he's capable of monster seasons so um, and I'm with you. I don't think it really affects Amon Ra. If anything. I'm more interested because I feel like it might lower his price some. I think I'm probably – I probably see Shark as a wide receiver three more so. I know you said like low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. So not too different, but maybe just more firmly as like a wide receiver three with upside. But, you know, that's just kind of some questions with a new team and, and being – you know, coming off injury and, and all that stuff. And really historically, you know, wide receivers changing teams hasn't always gone too well. Um, but that's true. That's not to say, I mean, it's a different NFL, right? Like these guys are utilized differently. So what about, Oh, go ahead. The Last thing, thing I
1: want to say is that I also, I am a DJ shark fan and I am aware of the fact that he hasn't played very well the past two years. But if you go back to 2019 and turn on the tape of a sophomore season with Gardner Minshew, you cannot tell me that that's a bad football player. There's just no way. And even glimpses last year, Trevor Lawrence was terrible last year, overthrew him. DJ Shark, I think, was only played three weeks, and I think he was like 200, 250 yards behind what he should have been, the, the ex, expect, expected yards. So I I will not buy the narrative that he's a bad football player.
0: Yeah, I, unironically he had his best season with Gardner Minshew, who's probably been his best quarterback thus far, this far. Obviously, Lawrence we hope exceeds that, but uh for now Minshew gave him his best season and look what he produced. So, yeah. I'm uh I'm with you there. Um I'm kind of intrigued by Russell Gage to Tampa. I think Gage has been a little just an afterthought, but he's uh he's been a decent player for i mean he kind of stepped up for the falcons down the stretch he's a guy played a lot of dfs um he stepped up a little bit and i think as a wide receiver three there in tampa with brady and then even a wide receiver two until godwin you know if it takes godwin some time i don't know do you have it's not like earth shattering or anything but do you have any interest in him or even cedric wilson in miami who i'm not really interested in cedric wilson but
1: i i don't have any interest in either one of them i don't know where russell gage fits in mike evans chris godwin uh rob gronkowski who it's not antonio brown antonio brown was getting fed as the wide receiver three so i don't know if russell gage sees uh a whole lot of targets down in tampa i will say though that 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 unfortunately does put uh tyler johnson to rest Uh, who was a pretty decent prospect coming out of Minnesota a couple years ago. And then as far as Cedric Wilson goes, I think the biggest takeaway from that is that Jalen Waddle is going to play outside more because Cedric Wilson played 90% of his snaps last year inside the slot, and Waddle, I believe, was right above 50%. So we're going to see Waddle play a lot more outside, which is good. Very excited about that. So Cedric Wilson, in an indirect way, has Jalen Waddle's stock going up.
0: Yeah, that's true. I just think with the Bucks, I mean, you look at the, the targets, like, I mean, he's not Antonio Brown, but in seven games, AB had 62 targets, Evans and Godwin's were still well over 100. And then you had like, you know, Perriman getting in there and Tyler Johnson had over 50. Cameron Brate had over 50. Um, I think there's room every year. There's like, you're typically better off targeting a wide receiver one or two in a lesser offense than a wide receiver three in a good offense. Like there's just not a lot of teams that can support that third wide receiver for fantasy relevance. But I think the bucks are one of them, maybe not to an extent, like again, I'm not like overextending myself for him. I just think he's a cheap name that I, you know, would be interested in for late round pick um, cheap guy. And then especially like, we don't know about Godwin, like he's still coming off that injury. It might take him, half the season like he might slow play it and and try to just make sure he's healthy down the stretch um so i think there's going to be some opportunities for gauge there to to get uh, early you know sync up with brady early on
1: yeah to be clear i i don't want any part of gage in dynasty but i think in maybe a redraft or a best ball format then he becomes pretty appealing
0: right yeah that's that's more so it, it He's young. like, again, just if your rosters are big enough dynasty, like, sure. I'm not, but again, it's not somebody I'm like investing in. So yeah, don't, don't take that the wrong way. Um, a few running backs on the move. The biggest one, Chase Edmonds to Miami. Um, I don't know. What's your initial thought? Also, who else? JD McKissick, right? He, to Buffalo, To Buffalo. Yeah. So he's somebody, um, Otherwise, it's just—I mean, James Conner back to Arizona. James White re-signed with the Patriots. He's a, a cheap, uh, you know, contender option. I think for just a, a deep, just depth at running back. For some reason, the Jets brought back Tevin Coleman, and then that's really, it's really it. There hasn't been a ton of running back movement. What are your? You have any big thoughts here? Don't.
1: Chase Edmonds to Miami doesn't interest me that much, to be honest. I mean, it's the same system they're going to run. San Francisco, it's going to be three or four different guys are all going to have their own special roles. So I don't don't know what that is. I mean, they went and got him right away, so maybe he's the lead back to start with. So there is obviously some value there. I I would probably say back in RB2. I think that's fair. And then as far as J.D. McKissick goes, I think he's in that same range in Buffalo. I mean, uh, they went out and got him. And they paid him, what was it, seven or eight million dollars? I mean, so I, I like that. I like that for, for J.D. McKissick. I think he's gonna be a PPR machine. I believe he's led the league in targets over the past couple of years. And uh, indirectly affects Antonio Gibson, even if they go out and they draft somebody else or they they sign somebody in free agency, it doesn't matter. Antonio Gibson is guaranteed to see more targets, more opportunity, more snap share. So, I'm very excited about that. I think we discussed this before. It might have been a year early on the Antonio Gibson true breakout year. And I also read today that Washington didn't even offer McKissick at all. Like they extended him no offer. They didn't want to compete with anybody. They just said, here's the door. And I think that speaks volumes to how they feel about Antonio Gibson moving into year three.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more on the McKissick Gibson stuff. I'm actually they were some guys I was going to mention in the RB buys and sells, so I'll save that to talk about them a little more. Um, same thing with Edmonds. I, I think Miami still probably drafts somebody, um, and it's just yeah, it's just a.
1: The SO resigned Jared Dokes. Like I, I get that he's not a superstar prospect or anything like that, but like it's going to be just a wheelhouse of of running backs.
0: It kinda reminds me when the Niners signed Jarek McKinnon. Remember they prioritized him in free agency right away. And McDaniels is the same, obviously comes from that Niners or that Shanahan, you know, coaching tree. And Edmonds kind of McKinnon-ish, but um yeah, so it's fine. Move should get uh, the lead opportunity there unless they draft, you know, a rookie very highly, but I think they'll add somebody at some point. So um CJ Uzama to the Jets—the big—he's uh, really the big tight end move outside of Evan Ingram, which we already discussed. I mean, I don't know. I think partially he was a product of the Bengals, the way their offense functions, and being underneath with Chase Higgins on the outside and Boyd running around. I mean, I—I I don't know. I'm not too interested in him. Do you have do you have any interest in Uzama with the Jets?
1: Not particularly. Mostly in part because I don't believe in Zach Wilson, but CJ Uzama. I, I there was a quick report that they had today when, when that news broke for him that he's just a he's just a great locker room guy yeah. on and off the field, great character. Block wants wants to play for the guys around him. So I don't know if this is a good fantasy fit, but this is for the Jets a very good real life fit.
0: Yep, yep, I agree. He's a good blocker too. Yeah, I thought maybe like the Titans or somebody would could utilize somebody like that. It's just the Jets that don't have a ton of playmakers, although I like Elijah Moore a lot. But anyways, um, yeah, I don't. I just don't have a ton of fantasy interest in him. Um, any other free agency news, notes, things you want to talk about before we get on to running back buys and sells? Just, just waiting for the final domino in the QB market to fall. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where the Colts – I mean, I think they could very well roll out Marcus Mariota, but – they I've heard I got Minshew on
1: my wish list to Seattle. That'd be great. See, they, they said today that Seattle is going to bring in another veteran to compete with Drew Locke. So as I suspected, they're not going to be landing Deshaun Watson and they're bringing in a veteran to compete with Drew Locke, which goes along with the past decade and a half of evidence that they're not
0: going to pick at nine. They're going to trade back. So I that was a name that I was keeping an eye on with Denver before they got Russ. So Minshew lock combination makes sense there. And I think Minshew would ultimately win that. And he's I agree. I think he's a decent, you know, a decent option. Um one thing I I did hear last night that McDaniels in Vegas feels a little handcuffed to Derek Carr, but he would have interest in I mean Carr has one year left. Yep. Gonna have to get paid a lot of money. I've heard that he would be interested in in shipping him out and bringing in Garoppolo and then like drafting somebody and using Garoppolo as the bridge as he has obvious you know, familiarity with Garoppolo, which would make a lot of sense. But I also don't know if he can, after he came into Denver and traded Jay Cutler right away and then he does that again, I don't know. But the Colts, I think, are monitoring that very closely because Carr would be a great fit with Indianapolis.
1: Absolutely, and I think the quarterback market's at a standstill until Watson decides where he wants to go because the teams yep. that he wants to go to also need a quarterback. Uh, Carolina, New Orleans, I I am, I am. feel 100% certain, I shouldn't say 100, 99.9% certain that if New Orleans does not land Watson, then Jameis Winston will return. Uh, if Carolina does not land Watson, then they are automatically entered into the Jimmy G, uh, Derek Carr sweepstakes. Uh, And then I think it's also important to note that Watson actually reached out to Atlanta. It's just not Carolina, New Orleans coming to Watson, trying to pitch. Watson went to Atlanta and said, hey, I'd like to play for you guys. So according to a lot of sources, there should be an apparent decision tomorrow by the end of tomorrow. So we shall wait and see. But as soon as that domino falls, then I think we'll start seeing the Colts. Uh, and the Panthers and a bunch of these other teams start to get those guys, like you mentioned. I don't think the Colts are sold on Jimmy G. I don't know if that's a fit there. Chris Ballard is very concerned about the shoulder injury because he's looking for a more permanent fix rather than a Band-Aid, and Jimmy G doesn't exactly have the a clean bill of health all the time. I wouldn't be shocked if Minshew ends up in Indianapolis and they draft a the guy. I, I think, I think the three teams that I'm – I'm pretty convinced right now that are still going to draft a quarterback or Pittsburgh, Washington, and Indianapolis. And all three of those guys are going to sit behind, uh, their respective starter Trubisky Wentz and and whoever the Colts bring in. So I think we could have three of these rookies being benched year one, but have a potential to start in 2023.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I've, I've heard that the Steelers really like Malik Willis. So I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get up and get him, um, assuming they'd have to move up from where they're at. I don't know. But the the other thing, the ripple effect with Watson is super interesting because if he does land in Atlanta, then that what happens with Matt Ryan, who has a massive cap hit, he has a 36.6 million cap hit. His dead cap is over $55 million. I don't know if they can, I mean, maybe you can extend him and convert some of that to signing bonus and, and money down the line, but he's also... 37 years old. I mean, how long are you going to extend this guy? Cause he's a guy I was looking at for like Denver. If like, if, you know, if Atlanta drafted somebody who was interested in moving off of him, but I just don't know if they can do that. Like I it'd be fascinating to see what happens if they did land Watson. I've seen Matt Ryan rumored to Indianapolis. If something like that happens because they're really sense. the
1: only team that can absorb that kind of hit and the Falcons uh, save, I think it was like eight and a half million dollars. So not, not a whole lot coming off Matt Ryan, but we were talking about this in the discord today there's a good bet that the falcons 108 would go back to houston as a part of that deal so then what would atlanta do at wide receiver and i think if you're deshaun watson even though they're probably not going to be good this year i think he's looking at it for from a career standpoint like where sure. do i want where do i want to finish my career this is not just for 2022 and we saw him lead a terrible houston texans team with only brandon cooks so him leading a bad Falcons team with only Kyle Pitts might actually be better than what he's used to playing with. So I'm not, I actually like that for fantasy purposes, bad defense, negative game script, dual threat quarterback. I'm I'm on board with that. I like that. I also like the Carolina fit, but we also have to remember that just because Atlanta can't draft a wide receiver at eight overall, or maybe in the second round this year, there's still some pretty good free agent wide receivers and other guys are one of going to want to come to play wherever where wherever Watson lands so I think there's a chance that Watson says ATL then Alec Robinson and Juju could show up the next day and be like hey let's get something done so I don't think it's all bad news if that's where he ends up
0: yeah I was going to mention that too even even beyond you know Robinson Juju etc I mean there's Will Fuller Jamison Crowder Emmanuel Sanders is getting up there but probably comes pretty cheap you know I mean there's Ty Hilton same thing getting up there in age but he's a he's a guy that you know you could you could certainly sign and and make use mm-hmm. of him like there's still you know even beyond that top tier top shelf of of wide receiver free agents there's other names in there that they would certainly make it work and and figure that out so that would be super interesting but let's get on to running backs Matt um, I'm going to let you start uh, just because you you wrote this, um, excellent article. Uh, what was it a couple weeks ago about running back buys? So why don't you tell us about that, who you have there? And and if you have any other names slash cells, I have a few to get to as well. So, um, but go ahead. So
1: first guy I want to talk about is going to be Kenny Gainwell. I think he is a clear and obvious buy. I don't believe that I, I think in the article that I wrote, I mentioned that he was a fifth round picks and I obviously acknowledged the fact that fifth round rookie running backs, fifth round running back picks generally don't hit. And when I mean hit top 24, top 12 fantasy season, something like that. But I think we have to take Kenny Gainwell and give him an exception on this one. He only played one year of college football and then sat out his second year uh, due to COVID. And when he came into the NFL, like is a little bit undersized but again only one year of college production but his one year of college production was absolutely out of this world he he rushed the ball 235 times for 1550 yards and had 51 receptions for 610 yards he had 2000 total yards with 16 total TDs in his one year of college football that is outstanding numbers and he did that as a freshman so a lot of love here for Kenny I think that ultimately he his talent suggests that he's a round two, round three running back rather than a round five running back. And from my understanding, the one thing, like the one player that Nick Sirianni could not leave the draft last year without was Kenny Gainwell. And as I've said many, many times before, the quickest way to being a three-down back on the field is pass blocking. Kenny Gainwell led uh, – was eighth in the league in pass blocking and was the leader of all the rookies last year. The number one rookie running back in pass blocking grade, that's huge, especially for someone that's hit at his size. He's five ten, I believe he's two hundred. If he could put on another ten pounds, twelve pounds, he he could be a really really good fantasy running back. So, I'm all over Kenny Gainwell. I don't. Miles Sanders hasn't gotten better in any of the three years he's been in the league. Angelo Fantasy tweeted this. I I, I use this. Uh, quote, just what you saw at Penn State with Sanders, panics instead set of processes, high-end physical talents that haven't been met with perceptual cognitive development, end quote. So Sanders, I think, is on his way out next year. I think Kenny Gainwell is the ultimate guy that takes over this backfield, and I think it starts this year. So I'm definitely buying Gainwell, uh, especially I think he's – what did I what did I write here? His ADP is RB45. That's criminally low for somebody who could be a potential starter within the first few weeks of the 2022 season. So he's first on my list. Another guy I'd like to point out is going to be Ramondre Stevenson. I think he's a great buy. Jim Nagy was all over him in the pre-draft process last year. He has a very underwhelming college profile. But Bill Belichick didn't care, and he drafted him on day two. Uh, no, excuse me, in the fourth round. Yeah, in the fourth round. So right at the top of day three, uh, he looked really, really good in limited playing time last year. I, the film doesn't match with the numbers here. So when that happens, I tend to lean towards the film. And on film, Ramondre Stevenson is a very, very good running back. He was fourth in the league last year and juke rate at 35.4%. I, I like him. He had 4.5 yards per carry with two touchdowns uh, for 100 and 136 yards and Damien Harris's replacement last year. And then they started to split reps down, drives down the stretch. They went back and forth and back and forth. So kind of the similar situation to Miles Sanders, uh, Damien Harris is his last year in new England could be a free agent next year. They could opt to roll with Ramondre Stevenson moving forward. Rotoviz also put out an article uh, and they did rookie year running back comps and what that looks like to guys historically. And they, they comped Ramondre Stevenson to Nick Chubb moving forward as far as a career arc. So that was a little wild to me. I wasn't that high, but I like what RotoViz does. So that's you got to definitely take that and, and seriously consider trading for him as well. And then just two honorable mentions. I got Rashad Penny. Obviously, you know, I don't believe that last year what he did was a fluke. I'm all in on Penny. I hope he comes back to Seattle. And then also AJ Dillon. I think this is the year AJ Dillon takes over for Aaron Jones. I don't. I believe this is Aaron Jones' last year in Green Bay. Uh, the Packers, along with Jordan Love, so decided to draft a running back in the second round when they when they had Aaron Jones. So Rashad Penny and AJ Dillon are two of the guys I'm, I'm trying to target. AJ is probably the most expensive person on this list.
0: Yeah, I'm on board with with those. I was a big. Kenny Gainwell guy coming out, so definitely like seeing him on that list and like what he did um, in his rookie season. I have a few others. Um, Alexander Madison, I know we sort of uh, disagree on this to an extent. I was kind of surprised finding out how people value – I brought it up in the Fantasy Scouts chat, and it seems like the consensus on him is – like a third late third fourth round rookie pick somewhere like that and i value him as like a mid-second um dalvin cook they have an out on his contract after this year um which i wouldn't be surprised if they took going into his age 28 season they can save uh six over six million dollars on his cap hit there's also been some trade buzz about him and he's one of those guys uh, sometimes we see a running back kind of randomly traded like in training camp or something maybe another team just doesn't get who they want through free agency through the draft maybe they have an injury whatever get a little desperate if they see in training camp that Madison, you know, they believe in him over Cook. He's he's a guy that I think Cook could end up getting moved or at at least moved off of after this year. But also Alexander Madison will be a free agent after this year. So that's why I think it makes some sense to maybe try to move Dalvin Cook now and then extend Madison, um, you know, kind of with assurances that he's kind of going to be the, the main guy there. And really, I mean, you look at his performances – over the last few years when Dalvin Cook has been out, which Dalvin Cook, I mean, even even with Dalvin Cook there, Madison has typically a handful of games a year where he's the guy. And, um, I mean, you just look back at the production. This past year was 26 carries for 112 yards, 25 for 113, 22 for 90, 13 for 41. Um, you know, the year before that, 20 for 112. 12 for 69, 21 for 95. He's found the end zone quite a bit. And he's also been, they've utilized him in the receiving game, the same way they utilize cook. It's not like when they bring Madison in, they adjust their game plan. They use him the same way they used Alvin cook. And that's as a featured workhorse back. So I think there's a lot of upside there. And also he's only 23 years old. He'll be 24 this summer, but He's very young still and he was a high third round pick in the 2019 draft. I just think there's just a lot of upside with him which I'm I'm really interested in there. Which I have makes a question Dal- for you. Oh yeah, go ahead. Do you think the new staff does, does any of what you're saying? I I, I hear what you're saying.
1: I, I agree with it, but do you think the new staff does anything change for you? Like I think there's a there's a shot I, I, it's far fetched, but I think there is a shot that Dalvin Cook has moved this year. And so I do wonder if then Madison becomes the guy or if he's
0: also just a one-year guy and they draft somebody this year or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's possible, but even, you know, even in that case, like I said, Madison's a free agent. And I think somebody, I mean, look at, not that he's the same as Chase Edmonds, but just looking at that, like getting, you know, Chase Edmonds getting what like $8 million a year to go like be the main guy there. And again, they might add to that backfield, but like, I could see, you know, that sort of thing with Alexander Madison. Um, but this is going to be a good friendly offense, right? This again, kind of comes from that West coast, Shanahan, McVeigh tree. They run that outside zone, which I think Madison can play in, um, you know, I it's it's tough to say sometimes how these guys will fit in in new systems and 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 stuff like that but i don't see a reason why he couldn't fit in that system and be very effective so so yeah that that doesn't worry me if anything i think it it maybe helps a little bit and also this is a new general manager that it didn't give that contract to dalvin cook as well right so if anything i think that helps which dalvin cook kind of makes him a sell for me i've i've sold him in a few leagues and gotten I actually sold him at the beginning of last year and got a trade, which included Antonio Gibson recently traded him for Dobbins plus. Um, So those are some of the guys I'm, I'm interested in. I talked a lot about Dobbins last year as being my guy. I think a lot of the same thing applies this year. Um, I won't rehash too much of it just yet. We'll talk more about him, you know, getting into the season. Um, But he is being valued pretty highly. Um, I think he's worth it, but I also don't think he's, you know, some buy low kind of guy. Um, we touched on, I think J.D. McKissick is a buy. The dude is a very good pass catcher, very good. If if it's a PPR league, even half PPR, this dude catches so many passes. And I think with Buffalo, I I thought they might add an every down back who excels with receiving work because they run some of that up-tempo, high-octane offense. I don't know that they necessarily love taking guys off the field. In other words, I think McKissick can stay on the field for long drives because they want that threat of a pass-catching running back and they're running a hurry-up offense. McKissick is a veteran that's well-versed in all that. A great pass catcher. I think he fits beautifully here, and I think he's definitely worth going out and buying. And then, again, Antonio Gibson, right? You mentioned him when we talked about the running backs on the move in free agency and I couldn't agree more. I actually wasn't all that high on Gibson last year. And I was like, what am I missing? But he he's so impressive. And watching some of the games last year down the stretch, he looked really good. Um I think he was playing injured for a while. He started to look really good towards the end of the year. And like you said, even if they draft somebody or add somebody here or there, It's not going to be J.D. McKissick, who is just a really, really good receiver. I mean, even if they add somebody in the draft that they think can play on third downs, it's not going to be J.D. McKissick, who literally is just excels at that. And I like Jared Patterson a bit, but he's not he's not that guy either. I think he's more just like a direct backup to Gibson. I wouldn't be surprised if Gibson gets tons of usage and is a strong RB one next year. You
1: want to know something a little crazy? What's that or as up and down as his season was last year. I felt like he was just, I don't know. It just felt like he got two yards of carry on everything. He's actually sixth in the league in rushing and second in the NFC only behind Dalvin
0: cook. Wow. He was, he was RB 10 last year. Yeah. I mean, and you know, people probably feel a little disappointed in his season and he was RB 10.
1: Let's see here. Rushing first downs. He was second in the league in rushing first downs. Wow. Only behind Jonathan Taylor. That's impressive. So for a very awkward year, it felt like when you just watch at the end, the end year results, you're like, this guy was actually pretty good this year. And And, isn't it back to back RB 12s or RB 13 finishes, something like that?
0: Was he that high in? I don't think he was quite that high. I thought he was. He was oh, he was 14 in standard, 13 in PPR. So pretty close. That's that's closer than I thought he was. Yeah. And again, he was playing through stress fractures in his shin. I've had stress fractures in my back that stuff is painful man the fact that he was playing through that and i'm glad it just seemed to you know get better and healthier but he had some games in there that that seattle game 29 for 111 the last week 17 21 for 146 i just thought he looked a lot cleaner um towards the end of the season there so now a whole offseason to get healthy so yeah yep, yep. Gibson, Gibson to the moon. Um, Okay. Any, uh, any other running backs you want to mention here? I mentioned Dalvin Cook as a sell. He's, uh, I think it's hard because I don't know how many people are buying, but I've been able to get, you, you just gotta, you gotta find the right teams that need somebody like that. I think.
1: I think if I'm going to come out here and say that Kenny Gainwell and AJ Dillner buys, I think, retrospect miles sanders and aaron jones are cells for me yeah i don't believe damian harris is a sell because there is a good chance a legit chance that he does return and it's kind of a one-two punch just in that new england backfield but i don't think miles sanders returns and i don't and i think aaron jones gets cut or traded at the end of this year i believe aaron jones is 29 years old as well or 28 years old
0: maybe maybe am i making that up uh, no, he's yeah, he's definitely 28. I think. Let me pull it up. I think he's 28. He's 27. Does he turn, so he turns 28 this year. So he'll be 29
1: when he gets cut then or traded. So yeah, I think both of those guys are sell. I think their their jobs, you know, Gainwell and Dylan are gunning for him. I don't know how much you could get for either one of those. To be honest, I think both might net you a late one this year but I would even be okay with a package of twos, you know, three twos, two twos or something like that for either one of them. So.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. There's one other buy I have and this kind of goes back to looking at, um, I don't know, like we talked about with um, you and I had both mentioned Mitch Trubisky last year as an option. And this is kind of how I look at some of these running back things is like, who has a chance to take a job next year, but, also, like, are they good? Are they good enough to do it? Not just anybody, but I got that's a QB it,
1: for this summer, for this season to buy.
0: Well, hang on, I got a running back. Before right, what we you move got? What up. you got? Tony Pollard. Okay. He uh, he'll be a free agent ever this year, but the Cowboys can also finally get out from that Zeke contract after this season. And I think Pollard's a good player, and I really do. So he might not be like an every down guy, but I wouldn't be surprised if you know Dallas moves on from Zeke or at least really restructures that and brings Pollard back plus, you know, somebody else to kind of run kind of a split type of thing. But I think Pollard's talented enough to be a consistent fantasy producer. Even, I mean, even last year when they just started using him more, even with Zeke there, I mean, he was, he had some, I don't know, some pretty good games down the stretch. He had 140 yards, I guess that was week two. This isn't giving me all of his stats, but he was very involved in the receiving game too. I'm trying to pull up his, um, his game log, but he, no, I traded. Um, I don't remember what I gave up, but I know I made a trade with you for. I got Pollard and Madison, which, um, I just needed the depth at the time. But yeah, I mean, Pollard rushed for seven hundred and nineteen yards and caught. Had 337 receiving yards, well over a thousand all purpose yards, and that's with Zeke um, you know, as the starter. And of course, they kind of scaled back Zeke's usage a little bit, but you know, there were games week fourteen, Pollard got twelve carries, seventy four yards. Like he's been very efficient, and I would like to see him in an even more of an increased role. Who's uh like what's what's your uh QB? I was going to say
1: Tyler Huntley is the guy we need to be need to be buying right now. He is with the Ravens right now. He uh, They signed him to a tender this year. He's a great backup to Lamar Jackson. Played very well in his absence last year. If Lamar Jackson were forced to miss games this year, again, it's even more uh, to add to his resume. His audition will be a free agent next year, and it wouldn't shock me if he decides to go out and try and compete for a job somewhere. Uh, the Steelers... Maybe they don't draft a guy this year. Maybe he goes to a division rival and, and tries to battle it out with somebody like Mitch Trubisky. I think he's good enough to be a starter in this league, or at least deserves an opportunity, a full audition, as opposed to these filling games for Lamar Jackson. So I understand it's a long shot. He was an undrafted free undrafted agent. Uh, he's been a great backup. Maybe that's all he is. It's just a great backup. But I feel like he is a guy that, that will want to go out next year unless – the Ravens offer him crazy backup money and he'll want to go out next year and see if he can earn himself a starting job, because I definitely think he's played well enough for it. So it's one of those guys that might be sitting on your waiver wire right now, or you can send out a fourth or a fifth round pick or something like that. And just kind of sit on him. It's the same thing that, you know, Chad and I were were saying about Trubisky last year costs absolutely nothing to get him. And maybe he lands a starting job and you can flip him or hold on to him. So
0: that's, that's, I think that's the guy that this year to watch. Yep, that's a good one. That's a good point. Those, are, I love doing that, man. And not just with quarterback, like tight ends, another one with, I mean, we saw Njoku, he's back to Cleveland, kind of a bummer, but he still might be the guy there. Um, tight ends one. If you just look ahead a little bit, at, like who's going to be a free agent or whose situation is going to change. Tyler Huntley's a good one because um, he, he flashed for sure. And teams would definitely be interested in. So one last note that I do want to say for fantasy purposes is
1: that Mike Gasicki signed, his franchise tender, which means he cannot change his position this season. So he cannot argue that. Now, when it comes to a contract extension moving forward, then at that point, he can argue to have it changed. But right now, he signed it. He will be a tight end for 2022. Also, if he... So for fantasy purposes, he keeps that tag, which I think is important because if he does go to a wide receiver, I I lose a lot of interest.
0: But does it change his designation or does it just allow him to be tagged as a wide receiver? Does it change his actual position designation? Jimmy
1: Graham fought it and lost. But yeah, if, if he does get wide receiver money, if they change his tag in the league, then it will change in fantasy. Okay, that was kind of my worry about that's kind of my worry about Kyle Pitts, although Kyle Pitts played a lot more in line than Mike Gesicki does, because if you're going to use somebody as a wide receiver all the time. And I I wonder if for fantasy purposes with these tight ends coming in the league that are more athletic, that are being used more like receivers, if we see more and more guys try and argue this, if for some reason that fantasy is just like, actually, we're going to we're not going to have any tight ends at all. Right, just also, yeah, just pass catchers. So I wonder if they do
0: just end up leaving tight end
1: tags in the long term,
0: but just something to watch. Yeah, it is. I've been monitoring that too with with Gasicki, and I just wasn't sure how it would affect like his official position designation. But it's definitely something to keep an eye out with him and future players, like you mentioned, Pitts or or other guys that come into the league. But um, with that. I think coming up here, I mean, there's a lot more free agency, more free agent moves that are going to happen, trades, things are going to fall into place, more quarterback situations are going to be um, kind of filled in, and and we'll we'll cover that stuff on these upcoming shows. We're also getting to some rookie talk here soon. I think um, it's about that time to start reviewing some of our our rookie rookie takes. So uh, make sure to um, you know. Follow, subscribe, Um, keep checking weekly for our new episodes. And as always, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Subscribe to us there. Head on over to ffballallday.com to check out just some of our content on the website. We'll see you back here next week on the Fantasy Scouts podcast, where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else.